Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Eric Goodman, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ethan. It's wonderful to meet you, and I look forward to the chat. Good to meet you, too. I have I have a lot of questions, and I want to get to Foundations of Health, but first I want to ask you, just as a guy who lost a lot of weight, and obviously the amount of weight that I was carrying would put a lot of burden on my joints, on my knees, on my feet, on my lower back, on, you know, not my arms so much, but like I have had so much relief from the pain and stresses of this from losing weight, but I still find that I have issues where I go like, why is that still an issue? And then in my head, I'm going like, well, it must be an issue because, you know, for 30 years I was overloading this joint or whatever. And so I I'm excited to talk to you because I'm like, do you think there are tricks or not even tricks or uh, uh, there's work on my posture that I could do that would alleviate some of this? Or is it just, no, you're fucked. You damaged yourself. Don't even think about it. Just be happy that it's not as bad as it was. That's a great question. Um, so I've had the real luxury of working with a handful of people that have had remarkable life-altering weight losses uh, of, <clears throat> of a couple hundred to, to a few hundred pounds. In fact, you remind me of a, of a friend named Matthew Bickle, who is such a stud and has really gone through the journey of reparative health, is what I would call it. And I, and I think that's what you're beginning to really lean into. I've just, I've listened to a few of your recent discussions and I think what you're trying to find is what power can I continue to grab that helps me to disperse the weight that I have and the strength that I have in a way that is just less painful. And yeah, you can do that. That's what I teach people for a living. And my, my basic clientele and patient base is chronic. So fucked up that everything's broken. Everything hurts. The surgeries aren't working. The, I can't get another shot because it stopped working. Cortisone just isn't doing it anymore. And it's frustrating. And that's when, when somebody like me comes in and I say, all right, we're going to teach you to pull yourself apart. Right. I'm going to teach you to breathe with the rib cage in such an expansive fashion, particularly at the back of the rib cage, that your transversus abdominis and your abdomen muscles and the small spinal muscles, they just can't help but be triggered, be re kind of restationed and aligned and then strengthened over time. You have a real benefit. Your legs, your hips are so powerful because you walked around with several hundred additional pounds for many years. You have the ankle joints the feet, the calves, the knees, and probably the hamstrings and, and groin muscles and glutes of a football player. The problem is the compression above it is where a lot of your pain is coming from. Because I can almost guarantee you that your chassis, your legs are strong, and they're probably working very well, or, or, or pretty well at least. But your spine has numerous levels that it can become compressed, and then those individual compressions can kind of accumulate into what's called a plexus compression, especially at the SI joint and especially at the, the, the shoulder joint and the neck where the two meet. That's where we see the biggest issues and, and the most pain being caused. 
Hey, that's interesting because I always thought of it as like the things on the bottom got the most pressure. So would be the most damage. But actually, as you say that, um, I imagine like if my weight was a backpack, it would all be kind of hanging from my shoulders. Yeah, exactly. So, so like it is all kind of connected. So it does. So there is excess pressure up there too, I guess. Well, and really what it comes down to is you've got, you know, you have take the fused joints out of there. You've basically got 20 something movable vertebra that can create space and move individually from the vertebra below or above it. Every single one of those joints is available for compressive forces. At the pelvis, you got two strong bones, big powerhouse hemispheres of the pelvis. You got two strong femurs. You got two low, you know, you got four total lower leg bones and then your foot. So the compressibility of the spine and the rib cage and the clavicles, that's, that's why your body feels a lot of what it feels. And the nerve roots that innervate the rest of your body, including all the way down to your feet, those nerve roots stop at the sacrum. So all of those compressive signals are, are being held from the sacrum, which is the base of the pelvis, basically to where the skull and the neck and that's in our work. That's where we make the biggest changes on people is it's not, you know, we're not trying to be heavy, strong lifters. We're trying to use our body's mass to absorb our body's mass better right. and, and really and keep that. I want to say, uh, just because this is a mostly audio podcast, that you were in your posture, you were kind of caving it in, bringing your shoulders in and, and kind of uh, curling over a bit. I want you to know, like, I personally did that intentionally too what like and it might have been that gravity and 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 my size was causing me to do that and then i just leaned into it but my idea was always like be small like what can i do to accomplish being smaller than i actually am and and it was that kind of position of like curling into myself so like you know even my wife and kids will say like stand up straight and and it's not a natural feeling for me to like throw my shoulders back and you know yeah. truly to stand up straight and to have that kind of posture that you were showing so one of the one of the first things that i would love to show somebody like you is the kind of the version of stand up straight that feels really good and then the version of stand up straight that you're like i can't do this i'm pulling here i'm play it's work it's like you're going to start, start sweating trying to do it Oh, I promise if you did foundation training deep, you'd be sweating in a matter of minutes, but yeah. it's because to stand up straight is like filling an umbrella at the rib cage that lifts the torso away from the pelvis. It's not pushing the chest forward or squeezing the shoulder blades. It's got nothing to do with that. It's expanding the, the statue that the shoulders rest upon the bust, you know, imagine you're a marble bust and now imagine somebody cars you like this <laughs> and then like, wait a second. Oh, man, I'm a marble bust. Like I got clavicles that are up here. I got a long neck. I got broad shoulders. I'm, I'm a, I'm a good looking marble bust here, man. And that's a stupid idea, but it actually kind of works. And when you think of it, you start to understand that the meat of muscle in the torso is the ability of the rib cage to stay broad and the abdomen to stay cylindrical. Those two control everything. The way that I teach people to learn that is if you do resistance training of any kind, any added weight, I'm talking 10 pounds of additional weight resistance bands. You've got to get good at intra-abdominal pressure, just like you're doing a deadlift or a squat, even if it's just a little. But if you're not doing resistance, if you're practicing body weight, anything from yoga, Pilates to foundation training to the myriad of methods out there, you got to have axial rib cage expansion as the 
weight-bearing disperser of torso force. And that sounds weird. It sounds like a lot of idea, but really your cage is a barrel. It's not a plane. It's not a piece of paper that folds and bends. It's a barrel that expands. So for, for <laughs> weightlifting, you're saying you've got to practice holding a strong core, basically in exactly. women's terms. Okay. Yes. Exactly. And I understand that. Like if I know that if I went to do a squat weighted, whether it was heavy or not, and I wasn't concentrating on like getting a good breath, having a solid core, I could fuck my back up on the squat. So I understand that same with the bench press. I, I am actually very conscious of how I breathe and how Excellent. my core is working, but I've never thought about that in terms of just like life. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I, somehow I, I kind of fell into this niche over the last, I, it's been 14 years since I started teaching this. So I've foundation training has evolved since 2007 into what it is today. Uh, and it became out of 100% necessity, no innovation, man, just, this is what had to happen in my personal life. And then many patients over the years, it became lifestyle medicine. It became when you're brushing your teeth, when you're washing your face, when you're getting out of bed, when you're walking your dog or lifting your kid, that's when you're practicing foundation training is these little tiny kind of autonomous paying attention to what you're feeling in your body while you're doing X, Y, and Z following the, the movement protocol that we teach in our work, which is very actively aligned, lots of hip hinging, big focus of attention to the way the head sits on the neck and the, the volume of muscular support below that. And it's uh, basically, a, we're basically a breathing program and we put your body into all these positions and we say, okay, now breathe there. And you realize that we've, we've restricted the ability of the ribs to move and you have to force them to move. And that's a big part of our exercise protocol. Right. Whether you're walking, breathing, you know, whatever you're doing. It's yeah, part of it. this is super interesting to me. And, and I, I want to break down like a couple of the reasons why. One, I, I think I think of things in different terms of and like if the house is on fire, get the fire put out before, you know, you start saving paintings on the wall or photographs or whatever. Like, let's let's try to put the fire out. Maybe it's not salvageable, but like that's how I thought about my body. Like the first thing for me was like it. it's hard for me necessarily to always be able to think about many things at once. I'm I'm pretty good if I concentrate on one thing at a time. And, and like it was like first it was like I can't be on drugs anymore. So like I'm going to concentrate on that. And while I'm concentrating on that, I'm not going to concentrate on weight loss. And that seemed to work well. And then it was like now I'm going to lose weight. And now I arrive at a place where I'm pretty fit. I've got low body fat. I have decent cardio. And yet I've sneezed a couple of times and almost been paralyzed or felt like, oh, my God, I could have just like had myself out of the gym for a month from a sneeze or like I bent over wrong to pick up a bag of groceries. And like I haven't like done any serious damage, but I realized like there's some stuff here that I'm not concentrating on that I think I should bring into it now. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That's how people literally blow themselves out. Yeah. I have, uh, there's one patient, I'm going to name her, uh, my patients. I'm not like doing surgeries on these people. You know, they come to me for back pain, but, uh, one of my patients is an older woman, Cheryl Whitmer came to me. She came to my first certification course in 2012 and has stayed very active with work over the years, her injury for five years before we met, she could not move. She wasn't walking. She was not ambulatory. She couldn't get up and down off of a toilet. She couldn't wipe herself. She sneezed 
right? (laughs) Five years from that sneeze until all we did. And this is what I would love to share with you. And this is, this isn't just you. This isn't just her. This is the human body's mechanics. The pelvis needs to be able to glide through the femurs in order for the spine not to have to flex quickly and aggressively. The spine is like on the pelvis and the pelvis moves it like a pendulum. It's not two things moving different directions. The spine responds to pelvic angle, be it flexion, extension, or rotation, unless the pelvic angle is fixed by tight butt muscles or tight quadriceps that tuck it under you or pull the pelvis behind you. Either of those puts your spine at a very dangerous angle. And when you sneeze, you cough, you lift something, you end up taking the movement that that pelvis, the hips should do, the big hip hinge, and you instead do a spinal flexion. And that's just not, that's wrong. There's no two ways about it. That's just mechanically wrong. Um, So what we teach people and, and what is so important to learn is the very simple mechanics of hip hinge. But it doing it in such a fashion that it throws the force of your body through points of contact on your feet that never leave the ground. Because when they do, it yields pelvic instability, which requires excessive spinal movement. Everything so you're saying, training, I'm, I'm, I'm equating it to like, yes, I know this to be true. If I'm doing kettlebell swings and my feet come up at all, this is really bad. Like I can get You feel hurt. it. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your foundation. Like you're, if you're a building man, you don't want a corner coming up. That's what your feet are. They're your connection to the ground. They're your power source. They're your transfer of energy. Your job as a human, especially an athletic human, anybody that wants to remain relatively out of pain and relatively enjoying their, their physical life, whatever age, you have to allow that space between your belly button, the low edge of your belly button and the bottom of your pubic bone, that uncomfortable awkward, insecure, head goes forward, pelvis comes forward and crushes that space. You have to learn to pull that space to an accurate length so that you can get a healthy lower abdominal contraction, which for me was one of the biggest reasons that my back didn't get better for so many years is I didn't have those mechanics until I forced them, forced them. And I mean, forced them, you know, Uh, you have to do it that way. You have to really dive in and you have to Look at your body like a project that you're going to first put scaffolding around. That's the initial basic foundation training. Then you're going to kind of build a stronger base. That's the first hip hinges, the split stances that you go into to challenge and strengthen the hamstrings and different posterior chain muscles. From there, you're going to connect your base to the torso. And you're going to start actually, oddly enough, literally pulling your torso out of your pelvis, lengthening the spine with this breathing protocol called decompression breathing. That is going to allow the muscles to finally find their space. And space is so key for health in the body, especially especially pain relief in the body. Those compressive places, they don't they hit nerves, but but that's not the problem. It's not like when you hit a nerve, everything goes it just turns off. What what happens is it kind of gets excited, and that messes up translation. Imagine if, so, so what, what happens in a nerve normally is a conversation like this. There's words, there's a back and forth, and it's a communication pathway between allegedly the brain and allegedly the muscles, but who knows what they're going to figure out in the next 50 years. Um, but that pathway needs lack of interference. When you move the body wrong, when that disc compression comes in, when it hits a nerve, that message starts talking like this, all of a sudden this, blah, 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 blah. You can't understand anything. It's like 
water going down a river where the river narrows. That's what pressure on a nerve does. It speeds up the message to a point that your body messes up the translation and it kind of signals a panicked, anxious, chronic fear. And that fear hurts like hell on a musculoskeletal level. Um, there's a gentleman named Dr. John Sarno, who I speak about in Foundations of Health, who is a real remarkable doctor. He passed away a handful of years ago, but in his, in his 90s, and he had helped thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, and he never touched them. He got them to understand this, this ruminative pathway, this anxious thought, this expectation of symptoms and problems, and this inability to do things that would obviously come from those problems. And he started to really help people understand, like, whatever you're not dealing with, whatever you're not, whatever, whatever it is, man, this is probably what, it, what it's coming from. And he had remarkable success with people just playing the mental game. So when I hear of that, I'm like, biomechanics is absolutely important, but equally important is the outflow and inflow of nervous energy and how it's translated. Biomechanics can help with scaffolding. It can help with the frame, but we got to have good plumbing. We got to have good electricity. We got to have good wiring as well. And that's where those decompressive movements coupled with good hydration coupled with healthy breathing and oxygen exchange, coupled with getting the carbon dioxide out to cool off the anxiety a little bit, coupled with just healthy, healthy, healthy nutrition. That's when you see true longevity in both pain relief and the, the really cool skill of knowing your body and understanding translations. Yeah, that that's super cool and very enticing. I, I think this is, um, touching on something I've been coming to a lot lately and thinking about, and it's, um, you know, the, the, the mental attitude part, because like stuff is, stuff is hard doing stuff, accomplishing goals. And, and, and I wouldn't want to take away like, you know, and say somebody who wants to lose 10 pounds is not hard to me. 10 pounds is a rounding error or a extra sodium one night. You know what I mean? Like for real. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, uh, but, but like, it's, it, it, I think so much is, uh, has to do with the way we come at it mentally. And like, if you're going to do anything and you're convinced you're going to fail, you're most likely going to fail. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's an important thing to think about when we go to tackle something that if we're psyching ourselves up, like there's something to that, whether it's placebo or what, like whatever you want to call it, PMA, I like PMA, positive mental attitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like bad yeah. brains were awesome when I was a kid, just because that song got me riled up. And, and then like today I go like, what am I doing if I don't believe I'm going to be successful? You know what I mean? That, that like for me is such an interesting thing to take into all of this because you can like have somebody explain how you can be successful at anything, right? Like I really believe that you can lose weight doing any diet, basically, you know, uh, it can be broken down to like, here's exactly even scientifically how this diet works. I think you could say like most of them generally work because you're taking in less than you're using fine. But like, if you go into it, believing you're going to fail, what's the point of even doing it? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
there's something I talk about that I've been talking about for a lot of years in my in my courses, and I, and I kind of used it to help people understand how I got to to what I got to with this, and how I kind of reverted, how it kind of started to make sense. Um, I, I have my own problems with my own psyche. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't. I'm 40 years old, and I got a half a gray beard, and I've had it since I was 25. I have never in my life, since I was a 19 year old person, not sensed pain in my spine for 21 years, but I have complete and utter control over it. Complete. Well, and then that's, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like I got to the point where there were certain things that I just was resigned to. (laughs) This is how it's going to be. Now, this is how it's going to be. And I either suffer through it or I give up. Right. And so like things like pain, I have for the most part gone, like I'm going to experience pain much like you're talking about. Now I will say that having lost weight, the pain is not maybe as bad as it was. Like my feet certainly don't hurt in the same way today that they did after a 12 hour workday 15 years ago. It is different. It is better. I don't have to wrap my feet to get them in my shoes anymore on day two of work, which is good, but there's still a lot of pain. And I, I actually started thinking lately, like, what if I actually address this to reduce it? Because I've just been coming at it from the point of like, no, this is how this is life and life is painful and life is hard, you know? So, and I'm, and it is, you're right. So no, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give you some bullshit hairy fairy answer here. You know, when I give you the truth though, and the truth is curiosity, that's the, that's the answer. It's not positive or negative. It's not success or failure. It's yeah, but what the fuck is going to happen if I keep going? How good can I feel? All right. I've, I've been on this earth for 40 years and I have had a myriad of pleasures and pains and successes and failures. You know, what's crazy is they all kind of feel the same in the long run because you see how they bleed into each other, how they ripple affect each other. So in my personal line of work, which is understanding why the spine hurts and why instability kind of becomes rampant once you're no longer producing enough androgens, once you kind of start the aging process. And it's because people surrender to the idea that they must age, they must be in pain. They're going to slow down instead of just doing what they love to do as often as they can and spending more time on recovery between those, those processes and understanding that recovery is not laying in a bed and resting. It's, it's a very active walk with focus on being barefoot and alignment of the hip joints. And it's focused on breath control. It's legitimate meditation, but maybe, maybe because you have compression points or you're a person with an SI joint injury or a low back injury, maybe your curiosity is, I know I can find positions standing and moving that don't hurt. So what I'm going to do for the next 20 minutes is I'm not going to hurt. I'm going to play. This is the journey of foundation right here. I can't be in that fucking pain anymore. I'm sick of it. I can't. I can't. I, literally, it would drive me insane. And I would get up or sit, seated decompression as opposed to I teach people. I figured out how to sit in a chair when I really don't want to, but I had to, and my back was killing me and I would pull the levers and I would squeeze my toes together. Not my, like my big toes. I would push my heels apart. I would 
rotate my femur joints inward and I would lift the back of my skull off my neck to the best of my ability. And if I could do that for two minutes without pain, I was sweating because I was finding the weakness. And the curiosity is where is the weakness. I have this is amazing because I have a little patella tear on uh, my right knee. And it's so weird because it only gets really painful if my leg is bent. Like if I'm sitting at a chair with my leg just perfectly bent at a at an angle, after a couple of minutes, if I can't straighten it, I'm in it's severe pain. But I have found that if I like fire my quad. And I can do that to the point where I'm almost sweating. I, I think it fatigues a little bit before I'm sweating, but then the pain goes away. So it's, that's an interesting thing. And, you know, a, I've just been putting a, off going like, I must, I must need surgery one day. No, and, you know, no, don't. So let me talk to you about a story. I've got permission from this extraordinary man to share some of his story. And I want to, and it's an ongoing story. But he, he surrendered, and he actually had a very public statement on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, his name is Hickson Gracie. He's the man. Uh, Hickson, about four months ago now, was on Rogan maybe three months ago, and he said, I, I've had to surrender to the aging process, and I'm, I'm not it's like a slow death. It was a very sad and depressing um, discussion, and it led to a lot of people reaching out to us about Hickson, uh, Master Hickson Gracie, the best of the best of all time and an extraordinary warrior. And we got connected through some of his students. Um, one of my students is a black belt jujitsu gym owner named Jackson Fortunato. His professor, master is Hickson Gracie. They were able to connect dots and we got to work with Hickson and continue to work with Hickson. Jesse Solace, who is the, the other main instructor of foundation training an extraordinary coach and he's been very ongoing with Hickson but the results have been extraordinary and expected when I was on the phone with him before we ever met I said you're describing the generative processes you're describing a body that is strong but it's holding down instead of lifting up I can teach you how to lift up very quickly we sent Jesse there first day he was already getting out of pain second day 50 60 percent out of pain third day third week fifth week, seventh week, he's had this wonderful ramp up of success. I even went out and made a 20 minute video talking about foundation training to his community and what it's, what it's doing and giving him hope. But he also said one very important thing, Dr. Goodman, I know I'm doing this for the rest of my life. I accept it willingly. And I'm so thankful to have a tool, but guess what, man, you're doing it for the rest of your life. But that's because like every way, right? I mean, you know, that was the other thing with diet that, um, so many times I was just trying to get through a three month period and then go back to how I was before. And this is I've had to reroute my mind to, I have now a general way of eating forever that very occasionally I can deviate from, but basically life has to be rescrambled or yeah, what we're what the things we're trying to solve are going to keep persisting. Yeah. How can I feel if I continue this? The good and the bad. Yeah. So how am I going to feel if I stay the course and become this man who does this thing on a daily basis for five years, 10 years, 20 years? It's pretty that's a that's a nice picture. What but also I, I would say, yeah, to a guy like Hicks and Gracie, it's like 
I know he's into juice and he's very conscious of his diet oh, yeah. and he's really in, and uh, clearly he's the, the great, you know, the greatest jujitsu practitioner of all time and had 600 fights and all of this. And, and like all of those things are for the rest of your life too, yes. you know? So I, I think of things as far as like, you know, sobriety is for the rest of my life and my life is better because of it. And eating in the way I eat now is for the rest of my life. This is why I, I think I would deter people from trying to lose weight in a way that is like really taking away something they love. Like, you know, there are certain that like, if you're super into meat and you go like, well, in order to lose weight, I've got to be a vegan. And this is, makes me very unhappy. I go like, I don't know if that's something you want to do for the rest of your life. Like figure out a plan that can be something you do for the rest of your life and do that. Like, it sounds like what you're talking about isn't like four hours a day of work. Oh God, no, no, it's, it's a lifestyle. So it's when you're moving, you're constantly improving the skill of moving. Um, and now it, what it seems like initially is that sounds so difficult, but really it's like a, it's like a 10 to 20 minute daily practice that for the first few weeks feels really good. And then it starts to kind of change things a little bit after a month or two. Then after six months to a year, you, you're noticing that it's almost like you learned a language over the last year and you're speaking to different parts of your body, kind of recruiting them into movement without any reluctance. Then far, four years, five years, seven years, 10 years, I've been doing foundation training now, uh, kind of the, the evolution process of it every single day of my life, for 14 years. I'm a very, very different human being than I was when I started this journey. Very different, much more stable much stronger, even though I was, I, I'm 210 pounds and I was 240 pounds when I left college. I was very big. I'm six two. Okay. And I was a very big person and I had to shrink down a little bit. My worst pain I've ever experienced was right after college through grad school. That was when my life was very uncomfortable and very painful. And I, I literally couldn't do what I wanted to do. But that practice of every day, I kind of, I, it sounds kind of corny, but I literally was like, but what if I don't do this? One step back is not one step back. It's usually a month or two back. And it's not like you, you don't have to provide something that is so hard to do that you have to force yourself to do it every day. You have to, you have to start feeling well. And feeling well is one of the most addictive chemicals in the world. And it will feed your, your brain. It will feed your soul. It will feed your family. It will feed other relationships. Whereas not practicing those small things that gather your health tend to bleed into all of those other things as well in a less, in a more detrimental result. And I'm not telling you, I don't care if you take vitamins. I don't care if you take supplements. I don't care what you do. I just want you to, to do the things that feel good, that are healthy and to recognize that they are truly more powerful than the things that feel good, that are unhealthy and the hormones that your body is capable of secreting. Once it gets used to healthful things, as a pattern, it's the strongest drugs in the world. And you really want to find those and repeat those. Wim Hof is one of the best with his hyper, his controlled hyperventilation. What a great way to feel well for a little bit and then use that time to make good decisions for yourself. And that's how these things are used. It's like buy yourself a little time to make good decisions instead of staying in the fog the whole time. Yeah, I've done his um, 
I haven't gone deep on Wim Hof, but I have done his where you lay and you take timed deep breaths and then you hold it and then you release it and you repeat this a couple of times. And yeah, I mean, it, it is, you feel euphoric doing that. You feel, you really do feel great. Um, and his, his whole thing was he was getting over the pain of losing his wife to suicide. Right. And his, his pleasure was inside and he had the, like, he, I love hearing him talk about it. So I had to get it out of me. I had to get the, the joy out of me so I could feel it. It was stuck. Um, just a really, really interesting guy and, and pathway. Yeah. Our, 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 our hormones and the chemicals that are just in us, no matter what are really bizarrely powerful, you know, and, and and they're mimicked. That's what drugs mimic. Yeah. Yeah. We all have dopamine in our bodies right now. And And, an andamide. Right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. So the foundations of health, that's your newest book. And that is all of this stuff that we've been talking about. Yes, that is. So it goes through the three most prominent things I've learned from both my own pain relief process, but much more so in this book from the longest term patients that I've worked with people that I've worked with most of them for over 10 years, uh, literally from like the very beginning of my career to, to now. Uh, and the idea is I've learned these three things are the most important. And you got to understand my, my niche, my place is chronic pain and autoimmune disorders. So this is for people that are looking for answers to get out of longstanding chronic problems. Not, I just stub my toe. I'm going to go to the foundations of health and that's going to fix it. It's like, no, no, chronic, longstanding. I'm sick of being in this way. I'm ready to shift fully. And for me, this, you know, I have many thoughts happening right now um, where so many times I think that um, my solution is addressing a symptom. Mm -hmm. And so then I've, you know, I can, I can reduce the symptom and the problem is still there. Does, does that make sense? And so like, I am, I am looking now for like, I really want to start addressing the problems because I, I don't want to shit on the work I've put in. I feel a lot better than I did. Mm -hmm. I'm doing really well. And it's just, there's still areas where I'm like, huh, that hasn't resolved. How do I, how do I, how do I make that better? Or how do I get that to resolve? Or, Or am I looking at the right thing? I don't know. And so I'm now, I am very interested in, you know, finding ways to, to feel better and to, and to, you know, I think it's almost like icing at this point, but it is the icing's important. The icing's very important. It, it, it's it, otherwise it's just a cake yeah. and like you gotta, so the idea is, is systemic. You're not addressing a symptom. You're addressing an ecosystem. The most important part of addressing that ecosystem is the pump of hydration and the lymphatic drainage and kidney drainage and excretion, what you get out of the body when you're doing well. So one of the first things I recommend, and it's, it's like, sometimes I get a little shit for this, but I'm not a big fan of infrared. I love traditional melt your face saunas. And I love them pretty much every single day. Um, I am Russian Hungarian by, by everybody in my family. And a big part of our culture is sweaty. So if you're not sweating, you're not purging and you're not getting some of the toxins out. So I'm a huge fan 
of the existing research out there. Go look up everybody from Rhonda Patrick to just the old Finnish studies and Russian studies on sauna health over the past hundred years. And it's an all-cause decrease in mortality, meaning it, it just makes your body healthy and you're, risk, you're, you're less likely to die from something your body does to you if you're purging the lymphatic and kidneys and purging hydration every day. As that heart rate increases like crazy during a sauna and you're excessively hydrated, it's like a pump. It really helps get things out. So one of the first things I tell people is I don't care really what you take in. I really want you to get everything out of your system. So daily sauna. And there's, I talk in the book about much more affordable saunas, like tent saunas that you can put out in your backyard with a wood burning stove that are like 800 to a thousand dollars instead of the five and $10,000 really nice ones. It's a very important investment in health for somebody with chronic issues. Um, the other thing I get into is, is breathing and posture. And this is where it's obvious. This is my only, um, this is my only claim to like, this is where I really have my niche is posture and breathing. So I teach foundation training and I discuss the symptoms that are the most common 10 symptoms that people go through. And I break them down in sort of an anatomical way. So you understand the myriad of things that affects it. It's not just where you feel it. And then I offer you kind of the poses. And I, I actually point people, use my YouTube videos, go to my instructors, go to the people that, that really know how to teach this or learn directly from me on, my, on YouTube or on our streaming site. But understand there is something called foundation training and that it has the capacity in most cases, to help remarkably. And then the last one is the endogenous cannabinoid system, which is just dispatch in the body. It's the center of adaptive processes. And cannabis, or the inborn anandamide and, and 2-AG, which is another endogenous uh, cannabinoid, something our body builds itself. We don't need herb to get it. But what that does is it's an adaptogenic process. And if you're trying to become somebody better, that in and of itself is an adaptive process. You have to trigger your adaptive system and that's endogenous cannabinoid system. So there's the ways most, to stimulate that without yes, ingesting it. Absolutely. And that's where the sauna comes in. Anything that challenges your system to get past a stress that you've intentionally caused yourself, like a sauna, like an intense workout, like an intense run, like standing for 20 minutes and not feeling pain because you're, you're really structurally paying attention. That is adaptation. You simply have to have enough omega-6, omega-9, omega-3 fatty acids, enough glycerin and, and, and glycogen in your body that it can make an andamide, that it can make two-arachidinoyl glycerol. It's a long word. Just look up two hyphen AG and it will tell you a lot about it if you're on Google. Um, what these are, this is what the body makes to feel joy and to have major pain relief and to have a better experience the next time you meet that similar stress. I literally think that we, our bodies developed this way to keep us out hunting because it was a hard physical task. And we were rewarded not only by getting meat and living, but, but our bodies would give us this, I, you know, the fancy words for it, but this, this uh, rush of dopamine, of yeah. cannabis, whatever the words are. I don't know those words. Those are big words, you know, they're but big you, words and they're unfortunately big good. Words. <laughs> and, and I think now we come to a place where like, you don't have to physically exert yourself at all to get food and to yeah. do all these things. And so like the way you get it is in the gym, working out, going in the sauna, putting your body through something physical that you've gone like, I need to do this, then doing it. 
and you yes. get this extra reward. It's amazing. It's and doing it. That's yeah. the key. You know, it's, you have to do it. Yeah. It's the reward. We have this incredible, incredible built-in reward system. Um, and a lot of the system, when we're not getting those rewards, we turn to things that reward us like drugs. Yeah. You know, we look for a kind of, we look for that sensation, but externally and look, I'm a big fan of cannabis. So I, I personally like that you can, you can smoke a little pot, you can have some edibles and it will trigger a lot of these processes. If you're doing healthy endeavors, the problem with adaptation is that it is not active. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Adaptation, your body takes care of, and you will adapt towards whatever you're doing regularly. You'll get much better at it. Sitting on your ass, you're going to get really good at feeling well while you're sitting on your ass. Yeah, well, so and, that's, and, and this is why you have to increase exercise too. And like, if you just, I, I would assume, and I don't know this for sure, but I know like if you're going to go in the gym and do the same exact routine every day and it doesn't get harder, it doesn't increase. If I would assume if you're going to go in the sauna for one minute at 200 degrees a day or whatever it is, and you never vary it, you never increase, you're going to adapt at that too. And you're going to stop getting the rewards. Shit's got to get harder. It's got to get, uh, yeah, it's got to get harder. It's got to get more efficient. So the adaptive process isn't to get you better at things that are harder. It's to make your body more efficient at responding to that stimulus, whatever that is. So everything from sleep, which is, you know, you adapt towards better sleep by taking the steps to allow your body to do that. You adapt towards a marathon by, by taking your first couple runs. Um, but you also adapt to like relationships. You adapt to communication styles. Each of these mechanisms is controlled at that endogenous cannabinoid system. Unfortunately, it has a crappy name. It was named after the plant when they were researching it. It should just be called the endogenous homeostasis system. That would be a much more accurate term for this whole thing. It helps our body, sorry, it helps our body find homeostasis and in finding it, each moment is an adaptation to get better at finding homeostasis from what we just did. In fact, the, the anandamide and, and 2-AG, those two, the, the two chemicals that the body produces that stimulate our body the same way cannabis does, they go backwards across the nervous system. It's called synaptic clefts. It's the part of your brain where the chemicals are made and they kind of, they're produced by jumping from point A to point B. And in that jump, a hormone is secreted. These really cool things happen. There's two chemicals in the whole body that move backwards across that synapse. And they kind of sweep up and say, what just happened here? And that's those endogenous cannabinoids, anandamide and 2-AG. As long as there's enough nutrients to produce them in the body and enough stressors to require their production and secretion, you're cruising. The issue is that low-fat diets, they don't help you, man. If you're not eating natural, if you're eating a bunch of processed foods, you are starving your body of the building blocks of making those endogenous cannabinoids, and you are making shitty decisions as a direct result of that. You're not feeling as well as you can, and you're probably feeling like drained, like there's a drought, like there is, where, where can I get these chemicals from? Where can I get these feelings from? Because there's a drought of them. And that's a shit place to be. You want to be in a much better physical and mental headspace than that. So feeding and feeding is just, it's easy. It's not a specific diet. It's having enough healthy fats. 
from there, the body tends to take care of itself. And you can get those from Omega omega three. Yeah, the, the biggies are like sunflower. Yeah. Sunflowers, avocados, walnuts, uh, peanuts have good omega sixes. Um, it's called a, basically it's a breakdown of arachidonic acid. Uh, that's kind of the key, which is an omega six fatty acid. And it's funny because omega threes, we piecemeal omega three together. Like it's just only one thing, but the, the body has requirements. And even though something might be inflammatory, the inflammatory response it causes in the body can be very, very good for us if it's controlled and focused. Yeah, exercise is inflammatory. Exactly, exactly. So that's it's, the idea is like, give the body what it needs and then kind of get out of its way. And by getting out of its way, it means you're aligned up, you're breathing well, you're moving well, you're not stagnant and not having your energy flow and you're purging your system every, you know, at least a good handful of times a week, you're fully and legitimately hydrated throughout the whole process that's kind of the most important stuff yeah it's so silly but it's kind of the most important yeah i can't wait to start to utilize some of this stuff and and i'm really going to look at your posture stuff because i have i have found that uh that place in posture where i've gone like oh this uh, you know it it, it it i like you hit a zone and you're like oh i got it i feel i feel it and, but it's effort. And then I get exhausted and I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And, and, and I never know for sure, like, am I doing it right? So I, so yeah. I then go like, I'm not going to practice this because I'm not sure. And just the way you're talking about it, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm, I want to get together with you and actually work yeah. on this so that I go like, I have something I can practice just in walking around, you know? Well, that's going to be a lot easier, it sounds like. And uh, I, I look forward to teaching it to you. But also just from today, let me, um, we'll connect after this. Let me set you up with just like a year of our streaming service. This is a thank you for bringing me on the podcast. Um, and we'll set you up and I'll give you the baseline program, which is 112 days every single day. We walk you through about 10 to 20 minutes. Amazing. So it's just every day is different. And it's, it's, it's OCD, man. It's, yeah. I'm a pretty obsessive compulsive um when it comes to this stuff, when it comes to teaching and getting the information apart, I'm a little, a little bit obsessive with it. So you'll learn quite a lot. And then you'll also be taught by Jesse uh, Salas and a couple of our other core educators. And you'll see that all we're doing is, is speaking a very similar language that's easy to understand. And we're just helping you move through pain in a very powerful and, and repeatable fashion. Yeah. Amazing. I can't wait. Eric, awesome. thank you so much. Thank you, Ethan. This was so cool. And I just, I've, I've been, a, been a fan of your work. And as you started getting healthier and making it more public, it, it really inspires a lot of people. And from somebody that's been in the health field my whole career, that's awesome. So congratulations and thank you. If there's anything I can ever do to help you feel great, I'm, I'm more than happy to. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I really am excited about this. Like I, I, I think like, uh, you know, it's stuff that I've, I've felt, but I haven't known. And like, I'm interested in having something where I like, no, I know this is right. And this is what I'm going to work on. You know, that's what we do. Yeah. And we do it very well. Um, and for anybody that wants to get the book, it doesn't come out until January. So it's not quite, a, you can get it on pre-order. It's just called foundations of health, but you can learn foundation training immediately right now by going to YouTube or going to Google and just typing foundation training. We have 1200 instructors. We've got a lot of people doing this. There's two other books that you can learn from. And if you're a person that just had a baby, my wife wrote an amazing book called Shaping Your Baby's Foundation that helps you guide them. Amazing. Eric, <laughs> thank you. 
Thank you, Ethan. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>